0: Commentary on Thus Spake Zarathustra, Part 3, On the Tree on the Mountain. So in this section we get uh, a, a sort of a narrative dialogue between Zarathustra and a young man who is standing above the city, the Motley Cow, which is sort of the setting of many of these dialogues, the, the, although it's really never described it's just a city, um, and here we get a sort of a psychological take on philosophy rather than a philosophical take on philosophy. And I think this is important to understand uh, what's happening here, to, to understand how, you know, rather than exploring a, a particular philosophical point in the sense of a rational exploration of a series of propositions, which is sort of what one expects in a philosophical work, here uh, Nietzsche and Zarathustra seem to be reflecting much more on the emotional side. And clearly, this is autobiographical. I think Zarathustra is speaking to a younger Nietzsche. One can understand this. I think if, if a lot better if one imagined this as an older Zarathustra comes and finds uh, Nietzsche and his younger self, and the the young man is is struggling because he feels that he wants to rise above himself and overcome himself. All the things that Zarathustra has been talking about earlier. But the higher he climbs, the more despair he feels, the more isolation he feels, the more judgment he feels. And this uh, this little short dialogue, as brief as it is, raises two crucial points that I think need to be considered when, when trying to understand what Nietzsche is talking about. And one is, once you leave the motley crowd, motley cow, the crowd down in the motley cow, you are, of course, necessarily isolating yourself, and when you isolate yourself from the crowd, then, of course, you immediately begin experiencing doubt and, and uh, unease. And so you begin going back to the chair of virtue. You begin not sleeping well at night right? You you begin to have these doubts. This is necessary. And so the young man is struggling with this and he's not sure what to do about it. And he feels that the, he starts to feel bad about himself and this, but, and Zarathustra says, yes, I know exactly how you're feeling because of course Nietzsche felt exactly that way. This is to be expected. So rather than making a particular philosophical point, he's making the point that, you know, you were this is if you try to pursue philosophy, this is what you're going to feel, this is what you're going to experience. He says, My despising and my yearning increase with each other. The higher I climb, the more I despise the climber. What does he want in the heights? Right? The young man says, This how ashamed I am of my climbing and stumbling, how I mock my violent breathing, how I hate the one who flies, how weary I am of the heights. Ah, and there it is. So the struggle the fight the despair you know anybody who tries to do anything is going to stumble if you try to climb you will fall your legs will get tired you'll breathe heavily and you and you don't want to and so ah, you know you despise yourself and so the per- particular this necessary struggle of thinking of trying to raise yourself out of the norm out of the crowd is going to create this problem and I think that's a, a, a part of what's being reflected on here another part is the notion of what do you do for values when you ex- when you leave the values, right? What's creating the isolation is the notion that he's trying to rethink the values and the truths and the falsehoods of where he was. <clears throat> but where do you draw the line? He says, your desire, you desire the free heights, your soul thirsts for the stars, but also your wicked drives seek their freedoms. Your wild dogs want their freedoms. They bark with desire in your cellar as your spirit seeks to break open all prisons. Ah, this is a point that everybody keeps talking about. It's like, oh, if you just turn everybody loose, won't their worst desires be set free as well as their best? Aren't we just going to create chaos and moral uh, vac- vacuity in which everyone's just going to be violent and kill people and steal things and everything's going to be awful because your worst and your best will be freed? yes right this is this is precisely the problem that Zarathustra is reflecting on here this is the what happens is you have to liberate your best of yourself but not ignore the fact that you also have the dogs in the cellar again a necessary emotional psychological component of trying to make this break. He doesn't really provide answers here. Again, this isn't that's why this is not a rational, reasoned, philosophical argument from point to point, which throws people off, but rather demonstrates in this in this lovely little narrative, two key elements, the isolation and the fact that you are going to enter this morally ambiguous zone, necessarily morally ambiguous because you're questioning the morals, in which one may fall prey to one's uh, least good instincts, right? And that sort of fear and, and danger is, in fact, real. But he ends with this important note, and it's something to keep in mind as we go forward. Um, but by my love, I hope, I beseech you, do not throw away the hero in your soul. Keep the highest hope holy. And, and the highest hope is, is to overcome yourself. And this key so how what does that can possibly mean to overcome yourself and like the warrior this is often misunderstood how can one re- praise the body remember remember the body believe the body we've talked about that return to the earth trust and yet overcome yourself and, and what Nietzsche seems to be emphasizing and which comes up repeatedly is to is to overcome the self of the motley cow it's not to abandon the body. It's not to abandon the earth. But that civilization itself has left the body. Civilization itself has left the earth. And so you need to overcome that sort of quote-unquote civilized self or acculturated self because you've been misled, you've been misacculturated. You're in a, in a situation where uh, your beliefs, your instincts have been twisted. And so you need to try and overcome that. Not You're not overcoming yourself. You're overcoming the self that's been kind of trained by your civilization, by the community of the motley cow. And so when he, when he talks about not throwing away your highest hope, which is to pursue yourself, this seems to be what he's driving at. On the Preachers of Death There are preachers of death, and the earth is full of those for whom the rejection of life must be preached. The earth is full of unnecessary. Life is poisoned by the far too many. Let one say to them, Eternal life, to lure them from the life. Ah, uh, here it is—the preachers of death. That this notion that people, oh, life is hard; it's difficult. Oh, everything is bad. You know, we should feel guilty. We should feel heavy. We should not want to be here. You know, we want to get to an afterworld. This is very much like the believers in the afterworld that we talked about before. And he says, "Look, um, a, if you believe in that, please hurry, hurry right along." But B, no, life is not terrible. And he has this critique of Buddhism. The line is, they encounter a sick man or an old man or a corpse, and immediately they say, life is refuted. Of course, this is a reference to a famous passage from the life of the Buddha, where having been raised in a palace surrounded by perfect people and never exposed to anything harsh or difficult, um, when he does encounter, finally, a sick man, a corpse, And an old man, he goes, oh my gosh, everything is a lie. I've been misled. The world is not the way I thought it was. And eventually comes to this Buddhist idea, which is to overcome life or refute life as far as Zarathustra is concerned or Nietzsche is concerned. And so he says, no, life is not refuted, only themselves, only their one aspect of existence is refuted. They are, they're not, it's not that life is a problem, it's that they can't take life. They're incapable of, of uh, accepting life in its full measure, which is their weakness, not life's weakness. Um, they say life is only suffering, some say, and they are not wrong. So make sure you cease living that is only suffering. right? So this is where, again, it can be confusing because some say life is only suffering and they are not wrong. He doesn't mean that life is only suffering. He means that if you say life is only suffering, sure, it's only suffering for you. So, well, then take care of yourself go away uh, you know that's just basically he's saying yeah if you think that's what it is then it is so there you, you should know what to do um, and he says this sort of stuff is crazy lust is a sin so say some who preach death let us step aside and produce no more children bearing children is laborious say the others why go on bearing children one births only unfortunates and these are also preachers of death and again this is this notion of yeah, having children is laborious but it's not just laborious right? It, uh, lust is a problem, but it's not just a problem. And that sort of, you know, if you only take that aspect of life and say, this is what life is, well, you're missing quite a bit, right? You're, you're sort of overlooking many aspects that children aren't just a burden. So those sorts of um, uh, c- complexities and fullness is what Zarathustra is driving at here. Uh, And even for you, for whom life is a crazed labor and distraction, are you not tired of life? Are you not very ripe for the preachers of death? All of you for whom crazed labor is dear, as well as the fast and the new and the strange, you care for yourselves poorly. Your industry is a flight and desire to forget yourself. And I, I love this line, all of you for whom crazed labor is dear, as well as the fast and the new and the strange. I just imagine if Nietzsche were alive today to see how fast and new and strange our world has become and how much we we love the seeming um novelty, the the best. It's all the lists that you see, the best, the newest, the fastest, the greatest. You know, it's precisely that. Your industry is a flight and desire to forget yourself, right? You don't want to address yourself. You don't want to spend time with yourself. If you believed in life more, you would throw yourselves away less on the moment, but you do not have enough ability for waiting, not even for laziness. Ah, so we know laziness is a bad thing because laziness is practically a crime because, you know, you're supposed to be doing something. You're supposed to be active, but life is life right life happens whether you're doing anything or whether you're not doing anything you're still alive and so again this the, the, he's setting our general reliance on our general feelings of of need to be active and to have the new and to have the fresh to be Uh, have all the stimulus all the time, which again, hilarious coming from you uh, over a hundred years ago. Again, imagine if he had seen the world today, I think he would feel uh, that he was vindicated in his fear of this. But wow, uh, what a powerful indictment to say, you know, life, life is happening. And if you think you have to rush through it, then you're probably missing it. And again, he ties this to the preachers of death because you're trying to not experience your life, you're trying to escape it. But what you really want to do is embrace your life, embrace the earth, embrace your body, go slow, wait, be lazy. These are the things that allow you to avoid the preachers of death. Otherwise, you're just setting yourself up for them. On War and Warriors now this section is, is crucial to understand not just uh, thus big Zarathustra, but much of the language that you encounter in Nietzsche that has been misrepresented uh, as embracing, you know, he loves soldiers and war and, you know, he's a big proponent of violence and, you know, he's this aggressive philosopher of, of kind of uh, death and fighting and, and blood. And he uses this imagery and he uses the language. So on one hand, you know, fair enough to to misinterpret a little bit. But if you read at all, you realize that that's being taken completely out of context for what Nietzsche was driving at. And we'll see in the next two sections, both on war and warriors um, and uh, on the new idols, that what we tend to think of as war and warriors is not at all what he had in mind. And he says, I know of the hatred and envy in your heart. You are not great enough not to know hatred and envy. Then at least be great enough not to be ashamed of them. And if you cannot be saints of understanding, then at least be its warriors. Be the warriors of understanding. You can't be saints of understanding, but be warriors of understanding. They are the companions and precursors of such sainthood. I see many soldiers. Would that I see many warriors. Uniform Uniform what they wear is called would that at what covers were not uniform here's the idea he wants warriors a warrior chooses their own battle they are not uniform this is what he does not like soldiers soldiers line up take orders and do what they're told he wants warriors you should be for me such that are always looking for an enemy your enemy there you go it's your it's not somebody else's anybody it's not their ideas it's not their goal it's your enemies you shall seek your enemies you shall fight your battles and for your own thoughts and if your thoughts are defeated you honestly shall still declare a triumph ah and what are you fighting you're fighting thoughts you're fighting ideas it's not going out and killing people. This is not a warrior who goes out with a sword and stabs somebody. It's a warrior who goes out and fights their ideals, their ideas, their values, test them, checks them. And if you're defeated, if your ideas lose, then you still can declare a triumph. Why? Because now you've learned a truth. You've got a revelation. Remember, you're a warrior of understanding and how do you gain understanding you go out and you fight and you test and you have enemies right you're driven by like oh, i hate this idea i don't believe it i want to counter it with this idea and then when you test it you go oh wow there it is in fact it's it's fascinating i was just reading um barack obama's memoir and he mentioned in there that he studied for years on his own when he was in college and lived sort of like a, basically a monastic existence and he said he actually didn't want to talk to people about what he's thinking because he knew they would not stand up to the test. He knew that as soon as he started talking to people about his ideas, they they wouldn't hold up. And so he didn't he just did he wanted to keep them secret because otherwise they would they would fall. And it's like, oh, at some point he realized and and as Nietzsche is saying here. You have to run those ideas out. You have to know your enemies, check their ideas, have your ideas, have that clash, and then see who triumphs. And even if you then fail, then you've learned something, and that itself is a triumph. You shall seek your enemies, and you shall fight your battles, and for your own thoughts, your own thoughts and ideals and ideas, not somebody else's. You shall love peace as a means to war, and a short peace more than a long one right? It's, it's, this is the idea. I do not encourage you to work rather to battle. I do not encourage you to peace, but to victory. Let your work be battle and your peace victory. It's not about working and scrabbling and, and you know, struggling. It's about battle. It's about, you know, take your ideas and throw them out there and see what happens. Um, you say it is the good cause that makes the war holy. I say to you it is the good war that makes every cause holy if you're fighting for your ideas in your way and pursuing them with honesty as he mentions then that makes whatever you're doing holy because even if you fail as he said you will then still have one and so it's not the ideal you're pursuing that matters nearly as much as the way in which you pursue it and the fact that it's actually yours that you're not just mimicking or parroting or not wearing a uniform somebody else's uniform So that is just, of course, totally different from what we usually think of. And this never stops. And if you can understand that, you'll understand pretty much everything that happens in this passage. Uh, You may only have hated enemies that are to be hated, but not enemies that are to be despised. You must be proud of your enemies so that the successes of your enemy are also your successes, right? You don't want to fight ignoble battles. You don't want to fight against silly ideas. It's not worth your time. You want to fight against great ideas that achieve things that are valuable, that are that are meaningful, um, but not yours. Rebellion, that is the nobility of the slave, right? To rebel, no good. Let your nobility be obedience. Let your commanding self be an obedience. Ah, so here's where this throws everybody off, right? this is where this, why this big Zarathustra is tricky, is because so far he's been talking about free yourself, don't fall, follow your own heart, right? Uh, you know... And then all of a sudden he says, oh, be, be your own warrior. But then obedience is supposed to be, wow, wait a second. Rebellion, that is nobility of the slave. Let your nobility be obedience. Let your commanding self be an obedience. To be a good shoulder soldier, you should sounds better than I will. And to all you love, you should let yourself first be commanded. Ah, there you go. What are you supposed to be obedient to? To all that you love. May the love of your life be the love of your highest hope, and your highest hope be the highest thought of your life. So there he brings it right back around. Pick an idea. Pick a highest hope. Pick a love. It comes from you. It's a love. Again, this is not rational. This He's not saying, you know, think about and come up with the most rational, reasonable ideas. No, what truly comes from you, what comes from your desires and your ideas and your thought from your heart as well as your head, make that your highest hope. And then test it out be obedient to it, be a warrior for that and then he finally ends on this your highest thought is something you shall receive from me and it is that man is something that should be overcome is what we talked about from the previous section this notion of what are you overcoming you're overcoming all the training that you've received that tells you to be to wear a uniform to stand in line no don't do that. Pick your highest hope and and pick what you love. Be obedient to that. Be a warrior for that. And that invocation does not tell you what to do, of course, because Nietzsche is not saying, hey, here's what you should do. He's not saying, uh, hey, this is what you should love. He's saying, no, 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 you use your love. You believe in that. You make that your commanding desire. Make that your highest hope and follow that obediently. Be a warrior for that. Be a warrior for your own loves and hates. I spare you not. I love you from the ground up, my brothers in war. Thus spake Zarathustra. And so you get the invocation of all the language of war and violence and aggression, but it actually turns out to be an invocation to self-exploration, self-expression, and to trying to battle the forces of conformity and and culture that would have you actually be a soldier, something for which he holds nothing uh, but contempt, indeed hatred, as we'll see in the next section. The New Idols. If you want to know what Nietzsche, and in case in this case Zarathustra does not like, it is the state. And where the character Zarathustra is very helpful for Nietzsche here is that Zarathustra, of course, has gone in the mountains. He's been gone for a while. And when he comes back down from the mountain, he finds this new thing, this new idol that's being worshipped. And the new idol is the state. And so when people, again, talk about Nietzsche you know, being aggressive and militarist and all this, they miss everything. It's completely out of context. As you will see here, Nietzsche has absolutely no use for the state and ipso facto militarism whatsoever he hates the modern state the state is the name of the coldest of all cold monsters cold are its lies and this lie crawls out of its mouth i the state am the people <clears throat> it is a lie it was a creators who made peoples and raised faith over them and loved them thus the creator served life the destroyer set a trap for the many and call it a state they raise a sword and a hundred desires over them so the state is that which has stolen the people and misled the people now he calls the people the all-too-many the overflowing the superfluous and he has he he does not like crowds essentially Zarathustra and Nietzsche here are elitists they believe in the few um, and the individual they really want the individual to rise above the crowd And if you want to criticize him on that score, that's perfectly fair. But you cannot criticize him as being a militarist or some sort of pro-German guy because he hates and loathes the state. Um, And he says again, far too many are born for the superfluous the state was created. Just see how it entices them, the far too many, how it devours them and chews and digests them. This idea is on one hand he does not like the all too many but he looks at what's happening to people in the state and he 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 despairs he feels for the people even as he has disdain for the people so he's not just a oh forget all the crawly masses he's like no look what's happening to them the state is devouring them destroying them taking what's good from them um but what do you do on earth nothing is greater than i the ordained finger of god am i thus bellows the beast And it is not only the long-eared and short-sighted who bend a knee. Right, so the state claims to be everything. It claims to be the all-encompassing. Yes, it even knows you and destroys of old gods. You have grown weary of your battles, and now your weariness serves new idols. Yes, a dying for the many has been found here that praises life itself as the all-giving life. Truly a sermon from the heart of all preachers of death. State, I name it, where all are poison drinkers, the good and the evil. State where all can lose themselves good and evil. State where the slow suicide of everyone is called life. Wow. So, not a a fan of the state. So, So, Zarathustra here comes down from his mountain and he sees individuals, masses of individuals, whom, as far as Nietzsche and or Zarathustra are concerned, are not in any way living up to their potential. They're not even trying to overcome themselves. They're not even trying to question what's going around them. And thus a state is raised on them, but the state is killing them state where the slow suicide of everyone is called life. He doesn't see it as life affirming. He sees it as life destroying. And that for him is the terror of the state. And and, and it, it absorbs the individual, which is what of course what he's pressing for and, and repeatedly encouraging people to do. And that, makes the state all the worse particularly since he's living when the state is really coming into its central focus of power he's also criticizing it because it's an abstraction there's no such thing right there's it's a it's a it's a concept an abstraction yet a very powerful one uh it's sort of one of those invisible concepts one of those ghosts that drive people mad just look at all these excess people they're always sick and they vomit up their bile and call it a newspaper they devour each other, but cannot even digest themselves. Whew. You know, he's not—he's not. He's not <laughs> I don't know how you can be more clearly damning of the masses and/or the state, but but he—he's—he's he's going full tilt on it. But he then says, however, he says even now the earth still stands free for great souls. There are many vacant seats for the ones and twos around which wafts scents of silent seas. A free life still stands free for great souls. Truly, whoever possesses a little will be that much less possessed. Praised be a moderate poverty, which is a line uh, from Socrates, I believe. Only there where the state ends begins a man who is not part of the mass. There begins a song of the necessary, that unique and irreplaceable melody. So he basically is contrasting two elements, the, the the individual, as we've seen earlier in the earlier passages, uh, the individual who wants to climb the mountain, who wants to escape the young man, the warrior that wants to fight for their own cause with the state, the idol, the, the it's replacing God, but it's worse than God, even worse. So, he, you know, famously earlier we had God is dead. It's being replaced by something that Nietzsche felt was worse than the idea of God, which is the idea of state. Uh, And Burley, amongst other historians, have pointed out that essentially fascism and communism functioned as state religions. So the way they gained their power and brought people together was simply to coordinate a new religion, which was the religion of the state, one the Nazi party, the other the communist party, and that they functioned very similarly and almost exactly like traditional religious-based states of the Middle Ages. And I think it's a completely convincing argument, and one that demonstrates just how prescient Nietzsche was about the dangers and structure of the state. It is the new idol. It is the new religion, and that only where the state does not extend, can one be truly free. So this is the, this again, Nietzsche it, pushing the individual and individualism against the mass, the crowd, and the state. It's a very clear theme. ...runs throughout um, both Zarathustra and pretty much all of his later works. On the Flies in the Marketplace. So in case you missed the, the point from the previous section on the new idols... Uh, ...Flee, my friends, into your solitude. I see you deadened by the noise of great men and stung all over by the stingers of small one. Forest and fields know how to be silent with you. Become again as the tree that you love, broad-branched. It leans over the sea silently listening so repeatedly and of course in the narrative itself this invocation to go to be with yourself to go to be in your solitude to go where it's quiet to be far from the world is one of his key ideas because he just feels that in the marketplace in the state you're just going to be overwhelmed by noise and by little people and poisonous flies is the is the image he uses for them so again not not a fan of the masses Around the creators of new values, the world revolves. It revolves invisibly. But around the actor revolve the people and fame. That is the way of the world. Ah, here's the distinction. If you want to think you, and think new values and create for yourself, it's going to happen invisibly. You have to be away. You have to be quiet. You have to be unseen. If you want to be in the world, then that's fame and people. And this is a totally different Uh, issue tomorrow he has a new belief and the next day a newer one he has quick instincts like the people and changeable moods to knock over that he calls demonstrate to drive mad that he calls convince for him blood is the best evidence so if you want to communicate to the people you need to be changeable because they're changeable if you want to convince them or demonstrate something to them you have to be aggressive you have to knock them over because that's the only thing that they understand but the hour drives them, and they drive you, and from you they want a yay or a nay. Alas, do you want to set your chair between for and against? Who, ha- who has time to consider subtleties uh, and variety and, and, and nuance and conflict and paradoxes? Right, that we don't have time for that. People want the simple answer, the bumper sticker. That's why I, you know, I think bumper stickers are the greatest example of this, where they just, you know, put out these things that are seeming true, but who wants to believe anything that can fit on a bumper sticker? Um, now, do not be jealous of the absolutists and the driven ones, you lovers of truth. Never has the truth hung on the arm of an absolutist. So you don't want to be driven into this, well yet for or against yes or no environment, but Yet this is how the world works, of course. We're consistently being pushed to take these overly simplistic, overly uh, just straightforward or absolutist positions, or else people get irritated and unhappy with you. And so he says, flee, my friends, into your solitude. I see you stung by poisonous flies to flee to where fresh, clean air blows. No longer take up arms against them, being the flies. They are innumerable. And it is not your fate to be a swatter of flies. This is such a wonderful uh, image. It's not your fate to be a swatter of flies. There's a cartoon someplace that shows a guy, it's really late at night, and and he's tired, and he's typing on the Internet, and his wife from the next room says, you know, honey, come to bed. It's late. And he says, I can't. There's someone on the Internet who's wrong. And I just love this image because this is that swatting of flies. You can exhaust yourself swatting flies, and what does it accomplish? Not very much. And so Nietzsche is warning against this. He says, you know, you do not want to spend all your time trying to deal with these petty issues because even if you are successful, quote unquote, what have you really achieved? Not very much. I see you worn out by poisonous flies. I see you bleed from a hundred scratches and your pride would still not become wrath. In all innocence, they want your blood. Their bloodless souls desire blood, and therefore they sting in all innocence. This is this curious You're not saying their flies are bad or wrong. They just don't know anybody better. They don't even know what they're doing. And to try to explain to them how they're they're wearing you down or being exhausting or is, is itself part of the stinging. You know, it's it's a very it's a very strange like to try and explain to somebody like oh you know well why do you want to go for long quiet walks every day and it's like yeah wow how? if you can ask that question I really probably don't want to try to answer it right that's that's sort of where you end up right you're we've I'm sure we've all experienced this where you're just going wow if I try to actually answer this honestly it's probably not going to be understood in any case so what do you do and and this kind of death by a thousand cuts or death by a hundred poisonous stings is what nietzsche is warning us against here that if and if you're in the marketplace well this is what you, what's going to happen to you they punish you for all your virtues they only forgive you for the ground up for your failings wow there it is it's your virtues that they dislike and the reason they dislike them um, before you, they feel small, and their baseness glows and burns an in invisible revenge. It's an interesting point that uh, James Baldwin actually makes, and he says one thing that is permanently a problem for African Americans in America is that because of racism, they are forced to have an identity. They have no choice in it. They do not choose the identity. They're forced to have the identity, and this unnerves. Uh, basically the white community because the white community does not have an identity. It, it feels vexed. It feels uncertain. And so the very notion that somebody has an identity that you don't have, that you don't have access to unnerves them and makes them angry, even though this was forced upon them. Right? So it, it doesn't matter. Right. Then Baldwin, it's a beautiful point that Baldwin makes. And I think it's exactly the point that uh, in part that Nietzsche is driving at here, that it's, it, it's, it, it the fact that you have some ideas, that you have some sense of yourself, that you have some virtues that are yours, makes them feel the lack. Right? You're sort of a, a, a contrast against that all their own sense of themselves. And the, and when you when you see somebody who has these values, we seems somebody who seems certain of themselves, you feel the lack, and this makes them unhappy. And therefore, they might admire you, but they're going to want to sting you at the same time. Yes, my friend, you are the bad conscience of your neighbor, for they are unworthy of you. Thus, they hate you and would gladly suck your blood. Flee, my friends, into your solitude, there where the raw, fresh air blows. It is not your lot to be a swatter of flies. What a wonderful uh, image! Like again, I just love that image—not to be a swatter of flies. But both the new idols of the state and in the in the marketplace, very similar points. Right, the the crowd, the masses they're bad for you they don't mean to be bad for you it's not it's not their plan but they are and so what you need to do is find solitude find your solace go into the mountains uh, is always the image that he uses or go into the desert right the camel goes into the desert to become the lion to become the child this image of, of going out going away finding yourself because it is like the, the young man on the mountain it is you that has finally got to be the lodestone for the creation of new values. And this is, he emphasizes this in so many different ways throughout, And it, but it's always the same idea. If you leave, if you create those new values, like the young man, you're going to struggle. And one of the struggles you're going to have uh, is being bitten by the infinite flies of the marketplace.